So want whoever's there in the nursery want to try to take care of them. If they want, if they want M&Ms and they only want the green M&Ms, we're going to give them a bowl of green M&Ms. I mean, whatever they want in the nursery, that's it. You know, if they want like a, I don't know, if you want a popcorn maker in there, whatever you want, anything, you know, we'll try to get it in there, take care of them. So appreciate the nursery workers. First Corinthians chapter five and verse nine, I want to read down to verse 13. And beginning now in verse nine, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters, for then must she needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such an one, know not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within? But them that are without, God judgeth. Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. All right. Going to preach now on the theme, how should we respond to the so-called LGBTQ Christian community? Let's have a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you and we bring these prayer requests before you as well. And God, we lift up to you, Tyler, and this upcoming surgery. And Lord, also think of my brother with his shoulder surgery coming up. And Lord, uh, we just pray that they would receive the very best medical care, that no mistakes would be made. Lord, that you'd guide the hands of those that are doing the surgery and caring for him. And Lord, I pray that uh, Tyler would be treated like a person and not like just another patient or like a number. And Father, I pray that you just bless him through that and for successful shoulder surgery and that he might be able to use that for the rest of his life and have that taken care of. And Lord, um, we thank you for this church. We thank you that there's a group of people here that assemble every week uh, that are sticking with the Word of God standing on the Word of God, uh, committed to it. Lord, uh, care about souls and praying and reading their Bibles. And I'm thankful for that, Lord. And I pray you'd help us to just take our stand. And it's going to become more and more unpopular to do so. But Lord, I pray that you'd give us grace, strengthen us in the inner man to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let me start out with some thought-provoking questions. I'm going to tonight try to be careful as to how I handle this. I'm not going to start railing on uh, anyone, uh, but I want to be faithful to the Word of God and preach this in a way that I think would be true to the Bible, true to the tone of this passage. Uh, and, And what we're dealing with here in this passage is we're dealing with so-called Christians who are involved in fornication. So we're dealing with people who are saved, who are living in immorality. So when I'm preaching, that's who I'm preaching to. That's who I have in mind. I'm not railing against the lost, immoral, wicked people uh, of, of this world, unbelievers. I'm not railing against them. I'm preaching this to 
the church, to believers, okay? Here's some thought-provoking questions. How should we, as Bible believers, live in an immoral world that is increasingly more and more hostile toward our beliefs? How should we live? Should we change our beliefs to get along? Or at least, should we change our beliefs to avoid hurting someone else's feelings? How should we treat the immoral unbelievers of this world? But on the other side, how should we treat immoral Christians, or at least immoral believers? I'm using that word Christian in a real generic sense. What I mean when I say that, I'm I'm meaning somebody who has believed on Jesus Christ has a profession of faith. How should we treat immoral believers? If we rebuke the LGBT community, if we say that their choices are sinful and perverse and wicked, are we intolerant bigots? Am I the biggest bigot of them all? Is that the case? What do you believe? I might be surprised. I might be shocked by what some of you believe. I don't know. I don't know your heart. Should we accept gay and lesbian Christians into our membership? Should we allow these sort of Christians to minister in our churches? Is it okay if, if he or she's only a singer? Is that okay? What if the singer's straight, but some of the musicians are perverts? Should we allow an LGBT person to teach our children in Sunday school? I mean, I'm, I'm trying to, to get us to think. If we do, then why not allow a gay or lesbian person to pastor our churches, right? Should we protest against uh, or, or, or maybe form legislation against their agenda? Should we do that as Christians? Should we be, vol- be involved politically? Will it even make a difference? Should we try? Uh, brother or sister, this is uh, aimed right at you and, and aimed right at me, okay? Do your beliefs come from NPR, National Public Radio? Do your beliefs come from CNN or CBS or NBC or ABC or, or Fox? Uh, what about Facebook? Do your beliefs come from Facebook or, or Instagram or YouTube? Or do you, do you believe what this book says? Do your beliefs come from here? You might find, though, if you're not careful, if you're not vigilant, if you're not circumspect, paying attention to what's going on around you, you might find that so much exposure to this world's media has a a tendency to deceive Christians who are passively, just passively opening up their minds to this constant flow, this torrent of unclean and immoral behavior and thinking and, and ideology. It, and it, what it does is it, it influences us. The Bible tells us in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, that we are to cast down imaginations. And every thought, every thought that is contrary 
to the Word of God. I've, I've got to just read it now. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity. What are these imaginations? Every thought, every thought to the obedience of Christ. So when we're allowing these words and these ideas and these images and these, these, the way that they present it in such a way that it makes you feel what they want you to feel and to, to empathize with them. When, when those things come into our mind, we're not just supposed to be passive listeners. We're supposed to say, that thought is not in line with the word of God. I cast it down. Amen. That thought is against, it's opposed to the truth of the word of God. I cast that down. That's how we're supposed to listen. We got to teach children to be critical thinkers, don't we? That's how we say it today, critical thinkers. That's good. I, I have nothing against that, that terminology. But, you know, you can't keep them from listening to everything and watching everything. But maybe sometimes you could just sit down with them and watch it and say, now, what's, what's right about that or what's wrong about that? What does the Bible say about the way that they're behaving or, or what they're saying or, or that music? Or what kind of lifestyle is that promoting? Is that God honoring? <laughs> Would God be pleased with that or, you know... Teaching them to think critically and carefully. You know, our beliefs, they must come from the Bible. But brother or sister, if this is a closed book to you all week long, and we have the television cranked up and streaming in that filth into our homes all week long. I'm not against the television, okay? But I just think that uh, we listen to it passively. Because you will be influenced. And it takes hearing a message like this to get us back on track. So messages are preached for different reasons. When a, when a preacher gets up into the pulpit, he either wants his people to do something or he wants his people to be something, maybe to be saved or be committed to the Lord as a disciple. Uh, sometimes a preacher wants his people to think something, to think a certain way. At other times, a preacher might want his people to feel something. You know, feel compassion for the lost, something like that. And at other times, a, a preacher maybe wants his people to respond a certain way to a certain thing. This would be one of those messages where it's either I want you to think a certain way, which is a biblical way, or I want you to respond uh, to this, this idea of a, a so-called LGBT Christian community. This is how relevant this is right now. PCC, Pensacola Christian College. I did not go there for my training. I went to a little Bible institute that's not associated with Pensacola Christian College. And uh, it's the best Bible institute on, on the planet, but uh, at any rate. PCC. Recently, back in February of uh, this year, on the 11th of February, in fact, there was a show scheduled with the King's Singers. They were going to come in and on campus set up and entertain the students. Campus administrators canceled just two hours before this singing was supposed to begin. And they canceled on the grounds that at least one member of that singing group had a lifestyle that, quote, contradicts scripture. That's how they worded it when they posted officially on Instagram the reason why they canceled. Afterward, I found out, since my sister's down there and she knows folks down there, and 
I found out, now I don't know if this is accurate, but this is what my sister says, and this is what she's hearing from the people that are you know, involved with that school, that there was a divide in the student population over the administration's decision to cancel that singing group. And they say that about 50% of the students there are disappointed with the administration. They think that they handled it wrongly. They should have let them sing. 50%. I used to think that was a good school to send a young person to, to, to go get nursing training. It would not be a good place to send a young person to learn how to preach or to learn the Bible. But to learn missions, yeah, and to learn nursing or to be a school teacher, it's accredited. It'd be a great place to go to. I used to think that. But now, I don't know that I'd send them there. That wouldn't be my first choice. But you know, that's probably the case of a lot of Christian colleges and universities, the Ohio Christian University or what have you. This is what's happening today. Now, how do they get there? How do they get there? How do these young people get there? Are they deceived or are they not reading their Bibles or do they just not care what the Bible says? There's a, there's a spirit in this world right now, and, and it's, it's, it's presented to us over and over and over and over again in television shows, commercials, music, you name it. Facebook, it's all over the place. And it's a spirit of immoral perversion. And it is powerful. It has gotten a hold of 50%. It's a huge, that's a huge college down there. 50% of the student body, my goodness. God help our country, help our churches. We need revival. Which side is right? You know, the quote from Instagram that the singing group put up was a long one. I'll just read to you the end of it. This is the spirit, okay? Listen to the spirit of this age. Quote, this is coming from the King Singers. We look forward to seeing our friends in northern Florida again soon, in a context. There's that double speak. You have to go to college to, to learn how to talk that way. In a context. You know, pluralistic uh, acceptance and tolerance and all this stuff. In a context where we are celebrated. <laughs> I already know I'm blowing the whole tone of this passage. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I want you to celebrate me. Can we have a party? You know, can I wear a hat? Could we put streamers up and balloons? And are you kidding me? I want to be celebrated. I can't. I just can't take it. I can't handle it. These are all men in this group. What is going on? What's happened to the men in this country? Why is it that boys cut their hair like Ellen DeGeneres? You see that all over the place. <laughs> Baptist churches. I look at the back of a boy's head and I'm thinking, is that a girl or a boy? I'm not sure. I can't, I can't, I'm sorry, I'll behave. Uh, <laughs> they say we, we want to be celebrated for, now this is sad. These are, these are we, we, we assume these are believers and uh, they're deceived. We want to be celebrated for who we are as well as the music that we make. Now, would Paul celebrate them? That's what I want to look at. And what are we to think of this? You know, is it really as complex as what they say it is? They say this is a complex issue. There's so many sides to it. So many 
dynamics. No, it's, it's not that complex. So in the book of Corinthians, Paul is addressing carnal Christians. I just want you to see that in chapter 3, verse 1. See who he's talking to. He's talking to baby carnal Christians. Chapter 3 and verse 1. Um, anybody listening to me, you've got to understand I have a background of serving in the U.S. Army in the infantry and serving with some real men. Men who are willing to fight and lay down their lives and they act like men. And uh, so that's my background. That's what I'm used to. I grew up with men who modeled uh, masculinity. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong with that. First uh, Corinthians chapter three, verse one. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you. Now, look, he called them brethren. Did you see that? Brethren. So they're Christians could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal even as unto babes in Christ. No doubt about it. They are saved. But they're carnal. They're carnal. You say, what do carnal people do? Carnal people get in the flesh. And they, they have a tendency to follow the flesh. And they were not getting along. And, and there were some problems in the church. Man, Corinth had problems. These people came out of all kinds of immorality. And when they came out of it, and then they brought them all together in the church, there were people who were still messing around with this stuff, or else were still in bondage to some of these things. And they were in Christ, because Christians can and do sin. And Christians struggle with sin, different ones in different ways, especially if you were in a, it real, into it real deep and just... Uh, you got a lot of baggage, and, and Christ, sometimes he cleans a person up all the way. I mean, just right off the bat, it's like they, they get an extra dose of sanctification, and then other people struggle with it more. I don't know why that is. But they're saved. They're in Christ, but they're not spiritual. They're carnal. And Paul is dealing with all these manifestations of the flesh. And, um, you know, people still have the same kind of problems today. And Christians still have the same kind of problems today. We're not exempt. Okay, so let's look at verse 9. I'm just going to go down here, just given the sense of it. Okay, verse 9. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. Now that letter, um, it's not in the Bible. It didn't make it into the canon. And um, that's something that Paul wrote that we don't have today. But he said in that letter that I wrote to you giving you specific apostolic directions. Do not keep company with fornicators. Now he's talking about Christians. I want you to see that from the context. He's talking about believers who are involved in fornication. He's not talking about the lost world. You can see that clearly in verse 10. Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world... See, Paul said, you, you have to keep company with the fornicators of this world. In other words, I'll try to refer to them as uh, immoral unbelievers, okay? Or with the covetous or extortioners or so on. Paul's saying you can't do that because we have to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You have to work around immoral unbelievers. You have to go to school with them. You have to be involved in different kind of organizations and committees and shop with them and everything. You have to live among them because you have to be a witness. 
We're not called to come out and just separate. I I was listening to a guy who has a very popular YouTube channel, and he's a Christian uh, man. And and at at first he was so zealous about his faith because he was like a deadhead. If you don't know who that is, they followed the Grateful Dead around and was heavy into drugs and uh, was just miserable, tried to kill himself. and, And finally God got a hold of him and saved him. And when he got saved, he didn't want anything to do with all that sin in his past. So he just changed and it was really dramatic and he was reading the bible and he thought the in the book of acts the christians lived in a community so he and another family bought a farm and lived on this farm and and uh, separated totally from the world come out from among them and be separate but he took it way too far and he said he realizes now that that wasn't right you can't totally come out of the world and like put up a gated community you've got to go around them you've got to live around them you've got to be friendly you've you've got to witness to them and they've got to know that you genuinely care and so on and so forth. So Paul is not talking about the fornicators of this world. He's talking about in the church. You say, what's a fornicator? A fornicator is this. That is an unlawful physical union outside of the bounds of holy matrimony. Does that sound pretty good, adults? Uh, Hopefully with the kids, it just went... Um, they probably know more than what we think they know. But uh, that's dealing with, guys, that's dealing with uh, outside of marriage. Marriage is between a man and a woman, male and a female, till death do us part. That's marriage. Anything outside of that is fornication. It's twisted. It's wrong. That is cohabitating before you are married. That's wrong, even though the state of West Virginia are are such knuckleheads that they put up these big signs that say, shack up. Can you believe that? Driving into Gallipolis, there's this great big billboard that says, shack up, it'll save us on energy costs. (laughs) The love of money is the root of all evil. Anyways, that's wrong. Pornography's wrong. Uh, Romantic paperback novels, wrong. All this stuff is fornication, Okay. And, and Paul said, don't company with fornicators. And he's talking about Christians. And he says, as a matter of fact, put them out of the church. So if a person is involved in that, and by the way, the gay lifestyle, sodomy, that's fornication. That's wrong. Lesbianism, that's wrong. Transgenderism, that's wrong. Bisexuality, that's wrong. And if you're a Christian doing those things, Paul said, Put that wicked person out. Do not company with them. Let me give you a for example. When I was down in Bible school, uh, I want to say it was about my last year in, I had a young man there who was on fire for the Lord. Man, he was witnessing to everybody. Anything with two legs got a track. He was just on fire for God. Devil didn't like that. So the devil brought a young lady into his life. And they started getting a little too cozy. And they weren't married. And then the next thing that happens is he moves in with her into her apartment. And the president of the Bible Institute found out about it and uh, brought him into the office and dealt with him. And he didn't repent. He didn't confess that it was wrong. He didn't say, I want to get it right. I'm, I'm sorry. He didn't do any of that. He'd made excuses. And so he called him on the carpet in front of everybody in the church, uh, Sunday night, if I believe correctly, it wasn't a Sunday morning, in front of everybody in the church and dealt with him. And then he started running his mouth and he rebuked him and said, you get out of here. You're kicked out of school. You cannot be a part of this church. That's how you're supposed to deal. Not, now, he was a little bit harsh, I think. But uh, 
He was also a World War II veteran and was a drill sergeant in World War II training people to go kill other people. And so, but at any rate, that's what you're supposed to do with a brother or a sister who's involved in fornication and will not repent. Kick them out of your fellowship. They cannot be church members. Yes, they can be restored. So where does that put so-called LGBTQ Christians? It's a, it's a contradiction to Scripture. Let's read a little bit more. So he says, you've got to go around, in verse 10, the immoral, unbelieving people in the world, even if they're covetous or extortioners. To be an extortioner is to take anything by force away from another person. That's extortion. Or with idolaters, even the people who are worshiping Caesar Caesar, or worshiping gods uh, such as Diana of the Ephesians or something like that, or Asterisk or Baal or Molech. Uh, I don't think Molech was happening at that time. But for then must ye needs go out of the world. See, Paul said you can't do that. But now I have written unto you not to keep company. Now look, he's going to show us exactly what he's talking about. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater doing the things that lost people do or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such an one know not to eat. You're not even supposed to sit down and have a meal with them. To shame them. You have to separate yourself from them. And you're doing it for their good. And you're doing it to obey scripture. Because they're having a problem with this. And they can't quit. And maybe the shame of the Christian church that they were a part of. uh, Rejecting them and separating themselves from them. And refusing to even eat a meal with them. Maybe that will cause them to think. And to really, so God can get a hold of them. But that's what we're supposed to do. And brother or sister, like I said, a fornicator, that includes gay and lesbian perverted lifestyle. That includes that. You're not even supposed to eat with them. For what have I to do to judge them that are without? You see, Paul said, look, I don't look at the lost world and just judge them and say all the time, I hate, I hate gay people. I hate it. And they're nasty, and that's wicked. Paul didn't do that. Paul said, I I don't judge them that are without. I'm not going to judge them and say, I can't be around you. You see what I'm saying? He said, do that with a Christian. Tell a Christian, I'm not even going to eat with you if they're doing those things. But a person who's lost, you can sit down and have a meal with them. You're not to make them your best friend, but you've got to show people that you care before they'll listen to you. You do have to be friendly. Now, that won't win them to Christ, and, and most of the time that won't cause them to say, I want what you have. But you've got to be friendly enough to be able to talk to them, to be able to tell them your Christian testimony and tell them the gospel. We're supposed to get the gospel to the lost. We're not supposed to just condemn them and say, I'll have nothing to do with you. We're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to get the gospel to them. But in giving the gospel... If you're dealing with a person like this and you know about this, you have to tell them that what they're doing is sin. It's wrong. It's not okay. You say, would you ever do that? I did. And before I finish, I did. And and I was a gentleman. Okay. We're not to hate people just because we don't like the particular sin that they're involved in. 
But he says, do not ye judge them that are within. So he's saying, that's who we need to judge. You have to look at them and you have to say, look, the Bible says if you're doing this and you won't repent of it and you won't get it right, then you cannot be a part of our church. And you cannot sit down and eat a meal with me. I'm going to treat you. And listen, if somebody's doing that, they call themselves a brother. That's what Paul said in verse 11. And if they're involved in those kind of things, we don't really know for sure, especially if they're unrepentant. We don't know for sure that they are saved. And so you just treat that situation like if you're calling yourself a brother and you're doing these things, this is what the Bible says has to happen. But if you repent of this, you can be restored back to the church, back to fellowship, back to sitting down having meals with us and all this stuff. You can do that. So uh, you're to judge. We're to judge one another like that. Okay, verse 13. But them that are without, God judgeth. You see that? God will judge them. God will condemn them if they die unrepentant and unsaved. Therefore, Put away from, now this is his conclusion to the whole thing. Put away from among yourselves that wicked person. That's the wicked person from chapter 5 and verse 1, the man who was involved in an incestuous relationship. But later on in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6, he is restored. He's restored. And Paul said, you put him out. Now look what happened in chapter 5. When he was put out, uh, he was committed to Satan... Chapter 5, verse 5. Delivered to him for the destruction of the flesh. So that is, uh, if you are a brother or you are a sister in Christ and you want to go that way and you want to do that, you should not be able to have fellowship with a Bible-believing, Bible-practicing church. And if you are put out of the fellowship, you go out and the devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy has God's permission to destroy you physically. Not spiritually, but physically. Chapter 5, verse 5. To deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit... You say, do they die and go to hell? No. The spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. You see that? Not even an incestuous person would lose their soul because of that sin. So can gay people that uh, get saved and struggle with that sort of immorality, can they be saved? Yeah, there's only one condition for salvation. And we covered it this morning. It's that two-sided coin, belief and repentance. Believing that Jesus is the Son of God. Believing that He rose again from the dead. Believing that He has the power to forgive all your sins and grant you eternal life. That's the belief that saves. And then after you get saved, uh, you, you might have struggled with some of those things on that list. But let me, let me wrap this up. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 ought to give the worst of us hope. That even if I was involved in something like that that I could get right with God, get back into church, and still live for the Lord and be protected from Satan, and my spirit be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. I'm not giving you a license to sin. I'm just trying to show you what the Bible says about people who do this. 
So what should we do if we have somebody? I told you about the lady before, and and I just don't have a whole lot of these illustrations to give, so I'm just going to give it now. Uh, I told you about two people before that I've run into. One was a a so-called Christian lesbian woman, and I was working in her home while I was in Bible college, and I was doing construction. And uh, she was going to an entire gay church. That's all they were, a gay church. They had a gay minister. Everybody was gay. And uh, she lived with her lesbian partner. And there I was working in her, her, her home. You see, I'm keeping company with the immoral unbelievers of this world. I'm working for, for one, in this case, as a contractor. Uh, working for a contractor. But anyways. Um, you know what I was when I was in her home? I wasn't nasty. I was a gentleman. I represented the Bible Institute that I went to. I represented my boss. And I represented, most importantly, Jesus Christ. And I believe that a Christian ought to always be a gentleman or be, you know, a lady. So I was nice. And you know what? Because I was nice, we talked. And I talked a little bit about my testimony. And like I always do, start talking about how I got saved. I'm in Bible college. It was an easy transition to talk about it. And she said, you know what? Let me ask you something. So I thought, oh, good. This is going well. She said, do you think it's wrong what I do? How'd you like to have that put on you? And I said, I don't remember everything I said exactly, but what I said amounted to this. What I think really doesn't matter. What the Bible says is that it's wrong. It's sin. First Corinthians chapter six. You, you can read it with me if you want. Um, but verse 9 on down to verse 12, I won't read it. It, it, It's sin. It's wrong. That's one of three major passages like that. And and she said, uh, you know what she said? said, I kind of starting to think that way myself, but my partner, she doesn't. And I said, uh, God never, um, God never, makes anyone gay. This is a part of the sin nature. This is a part of the world that we live in. It's a part of the influence that you've had. And God did not make us gay. Um, and it's sin and it can be repented of. And uh, it can be set right with God. And I didn't talk too much about it, only as much as what she wanted to talk about it. But I think she just wanted an honest answer from somebody who claimed to be a Bible-believing Christian. And that's where I left it. And I think when I left, I, I, I'm sure I left her gospel tracks. But that's what I did. I didn't condemn her. I'm not supposed to condemn her. I'm supposed to tell her that in Jesus there is no condemnation. You know, if you're saved to those who believe. But it's wrong and it should be repented of. And I, I said that. And that's how I handled it. And that's how I'm recommending to you that you handle it. I was around another guy. I think I've told you about him. Uh, he was coming back from New York. He had been out in California and he had been deep into all that stuff and all the perversion and the nasty wickedness that goes on in the bathhouses out in California. And he got AIDS as a result of it because that's God's judgment against that sin. And he realized he was sick and he was dying and he got saved. And man, did he ever get saved and was on fire for the Lord, witnessed everybody in his, his gay community. And they, most of them rejected him and hated him, wanted nothing to do with him, threatened him, everything else. But a couple of them listened, he said, and then he went to New York to tell his parents before he dies what happened. And they rejected him. What was left of his home and his family said, get out of here. They would listen to him say, I'm gay, 
and they would accept that, but they would not accept a born-again conversion to Jesus Christ. And to say, I repented of that, it's wicked, it's wrong. God is judging me for it, and I know it. And I want to tell as many people I can before I die that Jesus Christ can save anybody. And that's what he was doing. And our church helped him get down the road, helped him to afford to get from Ohio back to California, and we helped him with his, I think we bought his bus ticket outright and paid a meal for him and and put him up in a hotel for the night. Now, don't you think that Christian brother still struggles with that sin? Oh, I bet he does. He's, he's, he's probably in heaven now, I'm sure. That was years ago. But we're not helping anybody by condoning what they're doing. It's, it's wrong. So those who continue in sin, if they are believers, they will be miserable. And they might not appear to be at first, But they will be. Moses chose to stand with God's people way back in ancient Egypt, and God commended him for it. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25, it says that Moses choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. That's where I want to be. I want to stand with God and choose to suffer affliction with the people of God. And all you have to do is stand up for what this Bible says about human sexuality. And we are going to suffer affliction. And I, I'd rather do that than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Pleasures of just being accepted and people like me. And, um, the Bible says that there is pleasure in sin for a season. And a Christian boy or girl can get involved with things. And, uh, and there's pleasure in it for a little while. But if you're saved, you will be miserable eventually because God will chastise you for it. God will deal with you. God deals with his own people. And uh, I'd like to say this lastly. In Romans, um, we're, we're done. Romans chapter 8 verse 7 says this, but the carnal mind is enmity against God. What we're dealing with, this whole agenda in the spirit of this age, it's carnal. It's not spiritual. And the Bible says that the carnal mind, the way that these worldly people think, That it's enmity against God. So it's not okay. God's not okay with it. It's enmity against God. It's it's in opposition to God. For it is not subject to the law of God. Anything that goes against the word of God will not be subject to it. Okay, the Bible says it's wrong, then, then it is wrong, and I'll repent of it, and I'll stop trying to promote it. No, they won't do that because they're at enmity with God. And it says this, neither indeed can be. You know, why I'm, you know why I'm quoting that verse? This lost world is not and will not be subject to God. They cannot. Not until they're born again. And then when a person is born again, they will subject themselves and submit themselves to the word of God. And what I'm saying by that is the, somebody says we can't legislate godliness. You can't legislate. Let's suppose we could make a law and say that it's wrong. You couldn't legislate godliness with people who have carnal minds and are enemies of God and opposed to his truth. I think by legislating it, however, we could decrease the amount of sin. For example, legislating that these perverted textbooks that they're putting in public school, that they should be outlawed, that these abortion mills should be outlawed, that these doctors, these, these perverts and these transgender people who want to go into libraries and, and get a hold of children, that's child abuse. 
That should be outlawed. And so if we legislated that, then we could decrease the amount of sin and the amount of damage to our young people. And we should do that. But what I'm saying is this, you're not going to change this world. You're not going to change a person. The only thing that can change them is the gospel and being born again. So what do I do with, with this LGBTQ thing? Well, we try to be gentlemen, try to be ladies, and we give them the gospel. We give them the gospel. And we freely op- offer the gospel to every creature. And uh, if a person is involved in this sort of thing and struggles with it, our message to them has to be that God is greater than, than, than your problems and, you, and the addictions and the things that hold you and bind you. God is greater and God's grace is greater than our sin. So if we have a brother or sister within our church that's struggling with it, but they're repentant and they're not, you know, like openly and blatantly living in sin, but they're just struggling with it, our message to them has to be grace and forgiveness and acceptance But if they're openly living in it and saying, you must affirm it and you must celebrate it and you must marry me and ordain it, mm -mm, we can't do that. Then, if you're calling yourself a brother and you're doing that, you will be separated from our membership. And uh, that's how we have to handle it. That's how we should think about it biblically. So going back to PCC, was the administration right in canceling that show date? Absolutely. They were right. And they did it tactfully. They were kind. They weren't ugly about it. But they were tactful. The idea is that you have to separate from it because if you don't separate it, Paul said this. You know, all they were doing is what Paul said. He says, cast out that, uh, that uh, leaven. That's what he said to the Corinthians. Get the leaven out of your fellowship. And if you cast out that old leaven, then you'll be a new lump of unleavened. Leaven is a type of sin. So you get it out of the church if they're unrepentant. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, um, Lord, it's so easy to stand in front of your people who, who already believe the Bible and are going to stand on the word of God. Uh, it's so easy to say these things, but it would be, it, it's harder for us when we actually go out of these four walls and we go to work and we go to school and we're around it all the time and we hear it on television and we start to feel sympathetic because we don't hate anyone and and uh, we're not, we're not trying to be ugly or be harsh. Um, and we live around it, but God help us to be faithful to it. Because there's going to come a time, and it doesn't matter how nice we are, how sweet we are, uh, we're going to be persecuted for it. We're going to suffer affliction. So God help us. Help us to do this, and help us, Lord, to have compassion. Uh, the same kind of passion, compassion you had when that woman was taken in adult, adultery, and, and you said, I do not condemn you, and you forgave her. And you said, go and sin no more. Help us to treat people just like that and to be Christ-like in this thing. And Lord, help us. I know there's some here. They, this is in the families represented here. It's in my own family. And God, uh, I just pray that you just give us wisdom and uh, help us to be gracious and kind 
And Lord, help us to be bold witnesses as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. That concludes our service.